You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Amen. Good morning. Merry Christmas. What a great day it is to gather and to remember and to worship our great God and Savior who became a man and saves us from our sins. It's so great to gather, to sing, and to hear God's Word. So I invite you to please take your Bibles or a pew Bible around you or your device, and you can go and Google ESV Bible. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and it will be in the book of Galatians this morning. If you don't know where that is in the Bible, that's okay. You'll find Acts, Romans, the Corinthian letters, and then Galatians, Ephesians in in that neck of the New Testament right there. Book of Galatians, chapter 4. And we're really going to see from this passage today, I, lo- I love this text, that Jesus, Jesus really is the only person in the universe who gives better gifts at his birthday than he receives. It's nice when you go to a kid's birthday party and you would get a goodie bag or parents give out goodie bags. That's really great. But this goodie bag that he gives out at his birthday is more glorious than anything we can offer him, anything we can bring him. Um, anything we could do for him. Sometimes in Christmas sermons, you hear things like, hey, the three wise men brought gold, so what are we going to tithe today? Or um, they brought frankincense and myrrh, and so what are you going to bring him? What gifts are you going to lay before him? And really, the message of Christmas isn't so much what are you going to lay before him, but look at what has been laid before you. And look at what Christ has brought you. Look what God has, has done for you. So, I mean, what do you give someone who owns the universe? What do you give someone who created the universe for his glory? Really, the only thing we can give him is worship. And give him really just ourselves, our lives, for his namesake and in his glory. Because our God is a gift-giving God. And in Galatians 4, the Apostle Paul shows us, I think, at least five gifts, five things that truly make it a merry and joyful. Um, and as our British friends, I love it, they say, happy Christmas. A happy Christmas for the people of Christ. So let's see what God gives at Christmas, starting in verse 4. And as we do every week, if you're able, uh, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. And here's what the Spirit says. Verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us now to see this glorious and magnificent gift you have given us and the many gifts that come with us. So help us now, King Jesus. And by your spirit, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Every Christmas, it seems like there's at least one or two hot items. The ones that are out of stock, you can't get, you should have bought them in August and you waited too late. I remember growing up and with my sister, it was the Beanie Baby phase. Then there was kind of the Furby phase. And now it's the Hatchimal phase. And it changes every year. Every year, it's something new. And because I'm sure Furbies were pretty easy to buy this year. 
I don't think there were any YouTube videos of people getting mauled to buy Furbies. Because trends come and go. Every year, trends change. But in the essence of Christmas, there is the greatest gift of all that does not buck to any trends, that does not change with any trends, with any times, with any calendars. It is the greatest gift of all that God sent the Son. Look at verse 4 again. But when the fullness of time had come, we'll talk about that in a second, God sent forth his Son. This is the essence of Christmas. That God the Father gave us God the Son, that he sent him to earth for us. And that there is no trendiness to the gospel. It is perennially wonderful. This is not just an annual or semi-annual. This is a perennial wonder, an ever-standing majesty. Never goes out of style, never outdated. And there will never be a new and improved gospel message. There will never be a gospel 2.0, something we can add, something we can bring about, some new glory to it. No, it is always the same, the same old, old story of, of God sending Jesus to be born of Mary. And notice what the Bible says, that this happened, verse 4, in the fullness of time, at the right moment, at just the exact time, this happened right on time. Christmas time happened according to plan. In the fullness of time, this means that, the, the, I mean, think about it, the exact time and place for Caesar to call for this new kind of census. So Joseph from Galilee had to head back to his hometown of Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that the Savior would arise out of Judah and out of Bethlehem would arise the Savior. The prophecies fulfilled for them to be in Bethlehem just at the right time. The right time for that star to be in place, to guide them, the Magi, then to guide the shepherds just at the right time, all according to plan. And notice the Bible doesn't shy away from the normalness of Jesus' birth. What does it say in verse 4? God sent forth his son. And if we just heard that, we would think, man, this must have been some kind of te teleportation, some kind of alien extraterrestrial landing of him just ripping open the sky and him showing up here on the earth. No, the Bible says, how did he send his son? Born of a woman. According to the right time, born of a woman. This is the only birth plan in human history that probably went perfectly to plan. You know, we see in movies and women, pregnant women, they got their birth plan. We're going to have this right song. We're going to have this bag. And things always fall apart somehow. But this birth plan, right according to plan. Not a teleportation. It wasn't a silent night. It was a normal birth. I, I've been in the room for two births. There is nothing silent about anything going on in there. It was not a silent night. Jesus wasn't born in public library conditions. It was a real birth and everything that goes along with it. And his birth was supernatural, though, because it says he was sent. God sent his son, born of a woman. So you have two of these things happening, God sending and him being born of a woman. So for him to be sent must mean, whatever you think about Jesus today, this is what we need to understand. For him to be sent must mean that he existed in heaven with God the Father and that he was sent by God the Father because he too is God. See, some people believe that Jesus became God at some point in his human life. That's not what the Bible teaches. 
The Bible teaches that God the Father sent God the Son. There in utero, Jesus was already following a divine orchestration, being sent by the Father. No other birth occurred this way. Jesus of Nazareth, sent by God the Son to be born, not just like a real person. Sometimes we say that. He was born just like a real person. No, he was born this way because he is a real person, fully human, fully God. And here's how we know he's fully human too. What does it say? Born of a woman and next, born under the law. Born under the Old Testament. The rules and commands of God. Jesus entered into earth, crossed the time and space continuum, left heaven, came to earth, and he didn't say, okay, I'm here, but I'm not gonna follow all those things you guys have to follow. No, he was born under the law. No lying, no stealing, no cheating, no lustful thoughts. Have no other gods before me. Don't covet, don't murder. On and on and on. Jesus was born under the law, born into this world, held held accountable to all the rules of God just like we are. And this matters because we too were all born of women and we too have been born under the law. But we often, we do not follow the law of God. We don't follow his commands. We want to follow our ways. We want to be the center of our lives. We don't want to follow God's law. So we lie, we cheat, we steal, we get envious, we get greedy. We calculate internally how much our spouse spent on us on Christmas presents and see what we need to make up for. And we get worried and we get anxious and we get competitive. We were born under the law too, but we fail the law. And now since we failed the law, we are now held accountable to God's law. And this is why. So why did God send the son? Here's why God sent the son. Verse five. Born of a woman, born under the law. Why? To read, verse five, to redeem those who were under the law. That's us. He came to redeem us under the law, those who failed under God's law, those who have sinned. Jesus came to redeem us. At Christmas time, we are reminded of the mission of this baby. He didn't come to take cute, roly poly pictures on a shag rug. He came to redeem us. He came to save us from our sins. He came to redeem us from the curse, the divine fine for not following God's laws. And we're bankrupt. We can't make a satisfying payment for breaking God's laws. So we have to spend eternity under God's wrath. But Jesus was sent to redeem us, to make that payment, to get us out of spiritual bankruptcy, to get us off of death row, to lift the curse because he followed God's law perfectly for us. We were born under the law, we failed. He was born under the law, he succeeded. Christmas, friends, is about the curse being lifted. Christmas is about the curse being lifted. Christmas is about the curse being transferred. So it's more than just being lifted. This is about the curse being transferred. To whom? Look at Galatians 3.13. Just one one chapter back. Galatians 3.13. You'll see the same key word here. Christ redeemed. So Galatians 4 says, he came to redeem those who were under the law. Verse 3 says, look at how he accomplished it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus not only lifts the curse, he says, transfer the curse to me. And I'll take the penalty of them not following the law. I'll take that curse and I'll put it upon me. I'll die for their sins. For, for us to be redeemed, this wasn't like punching a coupon for some free snow cone. This is his flesh being punched with nails. Him hanging on a cross, being hanged on a tree. Christmas is a move toward crushing the curse. Here's how Christmas and the cross, how they always come together for us. This is all of Christianity right here. The same heart that was beating in Mary's womb is the same heart that quit beating for us on the cross. The same heart that pumped in Mary's womb is the same heart that quit pumping for us on the cross. And it's that same heart that beat again three days later when he rose from the dead. And it's that same heart that beats again today from heaven with blood circulating through his resurrected body. Church, the Christian faith is knowing the beats of Jesus' heart. From the womb to the cross to the tomb and then to the throne. Jesus' heart was formed in Mary's womb to pump the blood that would save us from our sins. The pouring it and pumping it onto Golgotha, onto Calvary, the place of the skull where he was crucified, so our sins could be forgiven. So what do you think about Jesus' heartbeats? Do you think his heart is beating now? Do you think his heart is alive and, and well? And, and if so, what does that mean for you? What does it mean for you if Jesus' heart is beating or if it is not beating? It means you need to be redeemed from the curse of the law. It means that Christ offers you forgiveness of sins and offers you new life. To, to put your faith in Jesus at Christmas and all that's happening at Christmas is to be redeemed by him, which is fundamentally, this is what it means to be Christians, to be redeemed by Christ. And we, when we are redeemed by Christ and we're forgiven from our sins and we're given new life and the, the curse is lifted to redeem those who are under the law, God gives us other gifts at Christmas. The son, the redemption, and look what else God gives us at Christmas. God adopts us. Look at verse five. So Jesus came, was born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Next gift, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. Christmas and the cross combine into an unending gift for us. We get adopted into God's family. Before, we were outcasts. We were without hope. We were excluded. And in our sin, we were enemies of God. Against God's way of doing things. But in Christmas, he draws near to us and says, I'm here to save you. In the cross, he hangs before us, and he hangs before the world and says, I'm here to save you. And in the resurrection, Jesus says, I'm here to save you. And I'm here to bring you into my family. Christianity isn't just receiving salvation and kind of going along your way. Christianity is receiving salvation and receiving adoption into his family. 
to being included into God's kingdom, to be not just some servant in his kingdom, but to be a child. And what do childs get? What do children get with a child? What do children get from their parents at Christmas? Gifts, love. So what does God the Father give his children at Christmas? Gifts, love. So what gift do we get? When we move out of the spiritual orphanage of the universe and into God's house, here's what we get next. Look at verse five again. So that we might receive adoption as sons, but now what else does God give us? And because you are sons, because we are sons and daughters, God has sent us something else. God has sent the spirit of his son to our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So God sent the son at Christmas, and now we receive the follow-up gift, the spirit of the son, the, the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And when, I love that it says into our hearts because this is the essence of who we are. The Bible talks about your heart not as just the organ that pumps your blood, but the heart is kind of the mission control of who you are. It is all the levers and pulleys and buttons and engine of, of your entire life. The heart is the true you. And now the Holy Spirit isn't sent just into your intellect. The Holy Spirit isn't just sent to your emotions. The Holy Spirit isn't just sent to your brain. But the Holy Spirit is now gifted into the essence of who you are. This means you get born again. I've had people ask me before, maybe someone's asked you this before, are you one of those born-again Christians? And my answer is, well, yeah, that's the only kind. That's the only kind. The Spirit sent into our hearts. We are born again. Christmas is about Jesus being born so you and I could be born again. I mean, we just sang it. Born to give a second birth. Jesus was born so we could be born again. Have you been born again? I'm not asking if you know some Bible facts, if you know some verses. I'm not asking if you know if, if Christmas is about Jesus and if you know that he died and rose again. You can know all of those things just like demons know all of those things. Have you been born again? You've died with Christ and your sins with him. You've been raised with Christ into newness of life. And you're walking in a new born again life with Christ. Have you received the spirit of Christ? Where instead of arguing with God and going against God's plans and, and cursing God and not wanting to do what God says, now what? Verse six, crying. Now, the Spirit's crying in us. What's the Spirit prompting inside of us? Abba, Father. That word Abba is just a classic Aramaic word for daddy. It's what, almost what like a child would say. A simple childlike exclamation of Father. Where before, you would look at God in terror. You would look at God in fear of your sins, in fear of condemnation, in fear of hell. But now, if you're born again, you look at God and you say, Father, my Father, our Heavenly Father, friends, truly is Father Christmas. Sending His Son to redeem us, and the Son saves us. And now there's glad tidings and great joy because we've been adopted, and now we have the Holy Spirit to cry out, Father, thank you, you saved me. 
Jesus makes us sons and daughters of God and the Holy Spirit helps us live as sons and daughters of God. The Spirit helps us experience our adoption as children of God. And now we're heirs with God. This is the final gift we see. What else does God give us? Verse six, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, verse seven. So now you are no longer slaves and servants, outsiders, but a son, a daughter. And if you are a son, if you are a daughter, then an heir through God. This one is just incredible to me. He saves us, gives us his son, adopts us, gives us his spirit. Surely that's enough. God, you're going to give us more? God, what else could you give us? Christmas is the gracious, if I can use this word, spoiling of God's children. God spoils us without spoiling us. He lavishes us with immeasurable riches of his glory and kindness. He spoils us with his love and with his goodness. He gives us himself. He gives us the son. He gives us salvation. He adopts us. He gives us the spirit. And now he says, now you are heirs with me. Now all that's mine is yours. All that belongs to Jesus is yours if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, God has spoiled you. He's lavished you. He's poured out richly upon you all that's his. And you're experiencing it now with life with him, and it's all to come very soon. You know, maybe the presence this morning didn't live up to your expectations. You didn't get the thing you thought you were going to get. Your spouse didn't get the thing they thought they were going to get. Your kids barely reacted. You know, Christmas really can't live up to all the Christmas hype we give it. We expect hype and all these things to occur. The holiday hype can never really match what we've created it to be. But the holiday hype can never match the gospel's glory that he gave us the son, born of a woman, eternal God, brought down to an embryo, born for us, that he would redeem us from our sins, that he would raise from the dead and adopt us into his family, and that he would give us the Holy Spirit so now we could fight sin and now we could live for his glory and now we could tell people about what Christmas truly is about, who Christ really is, and now he gives us everything that says he makes us heirs with him where all that belongs to Jesus belongs to us too. What's more wonderful than the gospel's glory? Holiday hype can never match it. What's more wonderful, getting an Xbox or knowing that one day you too will own the Andes Mountains? What's more amazing, to get that new iPhone 7 or to know that every nebula in the galaxy, every nebula galaxy is yours? a new guitar or the new Jerusalem. I'd, I'd much rather have and enjoy the kingdom of God than some Hatchimal that'll be in the trash next year. But in Christmas, Jesus gives us something where moth and rust 
cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal and that Amazon cannot deliver. And where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So where is your heart this day? Is it there in the kingdom with Christ? Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. There's nothing better than Christ and his kingdom. This is the message of Christmas. So Merry Christmas, church. Happy Christmas. Happy life in Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.